it's time for the beer phase. With your hosts, Mark Cox. The only Cox in podcasting. Jeffrey Swan. Softest hands in the South, baby. And Ryan Smith. Doesn't matter as long as we're all having fun. And with that, we begin the first episode of The Beer Phase. The Beer Phase, the only place that's beer and gaming and whatever the hell we want to talk about, really. And has it's phases. It's time for The Beer Phase. How's Actually, it going, guys? It was, it was time for The Beer Phase about 30 minutes ago, but it's going great. <laughs> right. The beer has not tabled me yet. I've been on pretty much a beer phase for the last like four days, so it's been pretty good. Oh man, this weekend was crazy beer phase action. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Ridiculous levels of beer phase. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Ryan was just down to hang out with us this weekend. We did a brewery tour and we drank a lot of beer. We hit so a couple without... of breweries. Just yeah, a lot. A lot of them. Some of them had donuts. That's right. With beer. Mm. I don't know which was better, the beer, the donuts, or my three-year-old's face when she took the bacon off that one bacon maple donut and ate it in front of me. (laughs) She's like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but watch this. It's pretty priceless. Daddy's so proud and so upset all at once. It's a hard, hard thing to have, you know? It's like, you don't want to slap your daughter in the face, but you don't steal a man's bacon. Tricky thing with kids, you keep loving them. I know, right? So that being said, welcome, welcome. I'm Jeff Swan, uh, joined by... Ryan Smith from beautiful, scenic San Antonio, Texas. Oh, you want me to talk now? Okay, yeah, I'm here too. So, for those of you who don't know us, you probably know uh, me and Mark from another podcast that we have been previously on, Lone Hammer, uh, and we... Just kind of got out of the whole Warhammer scene after the Age of Sigmar dropout, and we just kind of decided it didn't really make a lot of sense to have a Hammer-themed podcast anymore with it being not really something that we are into playing without bad-mouthing it a whole bunch. Uh, You know, it's just, it's if it's your game, more to you. But guess what? We're here to talk about fun board games and uh, strategic and tactical games. So, uh, and and the most important thing, talking about beer. That's right. So with that, um, we'll go into uh, why you should listen to us and what we're about and what our plan is for the upcoming future and uh, what you can expect from us. 
uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, Mark. Why don't you give him a little bit of background on yourself? Cool. Uh, I was playing in the fantasy GT scene for about ten or fifteen years. Um, I inherited the Lone Wolf GT, so I run that. Um, and I like to travel around and go to a lot of different places, so I know a lot of the folks that kind of talk to us and listen to us. Um, if you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, it's at CapAMR05, because I'm a big Captain America fan. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Jeff, Ryan, one of you two? Yeah, let's go with Ryan. I'm Ryan Smith. Uh, I've been doing war games for about 20 years now. I started out on D&D. I moved to 40K. I moved to Warhammer. I moved to a bunch of other stuff. Um, I am not really what you would consider a competitive player. I am very much a hobbyist who goes to drink beer and roll some dice, and if I win a game, that's great. But it's all about having fun and being the prettiest one there. Um, I run a blog called The Beer Wog. You can find it at The Beer Wog with three E's for the extra ah. Thebeerwog.blogspot.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @beerwog. In my spare time, I also run a little tournament down here in San Antonio called The Alamo. I inherited that about two and a half, two years ago. And this will be our 11th year coming up in November. It's going to be a good one. It is. It will be, it will the, be a drunken wake. The last of the Mohicans for 8th edition. Pretty much, man. I am uh, I'm Jeff Swan. Uh, you guys may know me from other places, but I'm known as the softest hands in the South. Uh, I've been playing Warhammer for 18 years now. Uh, the guys from another podcast called uh, West Coast Hammer Time, Fred Whitney and uh, the Club Capri guys. I started playing with them back in the day, and uh, you know they they taught me how to play, and then they taught me how to play competition level. And, I've been playing ever since, uh, up to up to now. Uh, went to Masters last year and was able to pick up uh, third place for the United States for for the South baby. Represent for the South, uh, and uh, I run uh, I run a GT that we actually just started last year. Uh, got a lot of local players out here in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, run a GT called Moonshine GT. You can check that out out at moonshinegt.com and uh, you can also follow me at humblejeff13 on twitter um but run a local gaming group called dreadmoon and we're just all about we're all about having fun but being tactical at the same time so sportsmanship is our, our our first goal and making sure that everybody's having a great time playing us but we also take the game seriously as far as we don't we don't screw around across the table. We we just make sure that everybody's having a fun game, and we drink lots of beer. So therefore, the beer phase. That all being said, um, let's go ahead and take our first break, and then we will get back into where we are going with the hobby, since we have pretty much all decided that we were going to play Warhammer as our main game, and we've all decided to go away from that. Got and, uh, to the island of misfit gamers. That's true. So more with that when we return. Hey guys, you got a new game table you're putting together and looking for an easy way to be able to transport it from point A to point B? Look no further. 
Frontline Gaming's new Fat Mat. These things are amazing. We love them out here in the south, and we just purchased a whole bunch of them to run all of our game systems on these exclusively. We love them because A, they're beer-proof, which is huge for us in the south. B, they set up in minutes, and C, they cut down all that transportation cost big time. No more trying to have 15 guys unloading tabletops, no. Two guys unload 60 tables, no problem, unzip them, roll them out, throw them on the tops of the tables, you guys are ready to play in minutes. And they look great. Doesn't matter what game system you play, from Warhammer Fantasy to Kings of War to Dead Zone to anything you can think of, even 40k. These guys have you covered. Check them out at Frontline Gaming. And with that, we are back with what we like to call the beer phase. So, Ryan, what are you drinking during your beer phase, sir? I am enjoying a fantastic Gubna Imperial IPA from Oscar Blues Brewery in Lyons, Colorado. I picked this one up in a brewery tour a couple of years back, and it's still good four years later. Delicious. What what kind of beer is that? It is Would a you... gorgeous Imperial IPA. It weighs in at about 10%, and it is Ooh. so old and mellow that there is no hop at all. There's just alcohol smoothness. Wow. Mark, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I I've got three or four growlers of that potato <laughs> sour, but yeah, I didn't crack those open today. Um, I I went ahead and grabbed one of my Little Kings. Uh, it's an Irish cream ale. It's light, um, busy. It's at like a four percent alcohol content, so it's it's an easy drink. I'm taking it easy today after that awesome weekend I had. We had a long weekend of drinking. We did. Yeah, we did. I am uh, I am drinking that petite golden sour. Good so call. collective the collective brew project out here in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, they've got a really good sour, super clear, uh, no haze to it. Really just smooth, easy to drink. It's only it only rings in at four and a half percent, so literally you can just drink it all the time. But I do recommend that uh, you'd have to like sours in order to drink it. So because it is it is it is pretty sour. It's probably the best sour out there. It's it's pretty close. It's I, I would pretty say good. It's pretty damn good. I I'd say the only thing that gives it a run for its money that I personally have had would be the uh, full steam common good out there in North Carolina. Yep, totally agree that was with that. that was pretty good. So that was with that. Uh, beer phase is started, and we'll go into game systems, guys. So with the lull that we've been having for Warhammer and the huge fallout that we won't get into, um, you know, we've kind of started to put our faith in other places, uh, you know, even in the past six months, let alone, you know, the last month. Um, it's just kind of gone away from the game that we we prefer to play. Um, and we've kind of sort of started replacing it slowly with stuff and uh for that we'll go to ryan ryan i know you're you're big in with uh mercia so let's go ahead and cover dark lands and all things mercia going on oh absolutely uh i decided to try and save my hobby by painting the massive mountain of resin i've got from mercia miniatures uh it's m-i-e-r-c-e they're a resin gaming company out of Nottingham, England, 
And in my opinion, they make the best miniatures out there. Um, they're extremely detailed sculpts. They're very high-quality stuff. Um, the game is Darklands. It's based on the history of England in 670, which is when Christianity was coming in, Vikings were invading, the Utes were invading from the east. I've learned a lot more about history from this game than I ever thought I would. History um, books gone fun. <laughs> it's shocking. Um, but the game is a lot of fun because it's skirmish-based, which initially I was upset about. But the more I play it, the more I've really fallen for it because it's very, very different than the hammer-based game we all know and love. Um, rather than having one person do all of his moves, then the other person do all of theirs, they alternate back and forth with activations. So if you activate a unit too soon, you're going to get charged too early and you're going to get killed. If you activate too late, you're going to be outflanked by enemies. Um, the army building rules are very interesting. You have to have commanders from different kingdoms to control certain amounts. Um, bigger monsters take more space, not only in terms of points, but in terms of something called authority, which is the amount of sort of a leadership attribute, how willing they are to take orders, and commanders can only control so many people before they're not able to control more. As far as the game itself goes, it is very much like playing D&D &D with a small army. Um, everything has so many options available to it, which is why the rules are a little bit long, because your giant has eight ways he can get into combat. He can run in and start hitting things with a club. He can charge in and knock models over, push them backwards. He can run in there, pick up some, throw them across the battlefield, maybe pick up another one and eat him, and then maybe pick up a third and just dismember him. Um, you've got flying infantry that can swoop in, grab people up, and drop them across the board. There's just so much going on when I play it. It's going to have a high learning curve, but as a guy that's been playing D&D for 20 years... It's fascinating to see just how much you can do with it. Um, I'm going to be running demos of it at the next Warhammer GTs that are upcoming at Bayou Battles and at uh, Rock Wars in Little Rock. And if you guys are there, stop by. I'm happy to show you guys how it works out. Oh, for sure, man. I, I can't wait. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it, and, and their minis are awesome. Like, I have already I've gotten multiple of their sculpts and no problems with them. They're really good quality. Um, you know, I was already using some as alternates for Warhammer, so it works out really well. Um, but man, yeah, I, I actually like that it has like a story-driven narrative to play the game, right? So it doesn't feel as like competition-level tactical. It's it feels like one of those games that like like AOS narrative gaming. <laughs> yeah, Age of Sigmar wishes it could be type of a situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like they're they're actually accomplishing telling a story as opposed to you know just kind of just bring everything you know? a few mechanics in the game that age of sigmar kind of ripped off um for two years oh, yeah. now monsters that take damage lose attacks huh that mm -hmm. sounds kind of familiar well, like if it gets wounded it's less effective in combat huh huh that is Mercia weird took it a step further too and as models get wounded they're easier to harm they don't have a toughness value. You're rolling against their current hit points. That's kind of cool. I actually that like that. Cool. I like once... the story-driven stuff. Like, you could just fly over and pick up a dude and drop him on the other side of the board and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I did a demo game against uh, John Bailey's son a mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago where he had a giant that was just rampaging across the board until I got it. A few archers started whittling down its hit points, and then I got a, a dragon man in on it and did a little bit more health. And by the end of it, just a human lord was able to bring it down. 
Nice. You go is from it... nines to hit. It's on a D10 system as well, so figuring out percentages is a lot easier. Are those exploding D10s? Those are exploding D10s. Nice. One of the things I, I like love that. is critical on a nine, you double whatever it is you're doing. So if you're rolling to wound, mm-hmm. you get an extra wound. If you're rolling to dodge a wound, you dodge an extra one. If you're rolling damage, roll some more damage dice. Oh, you rolled more nines? Just keep rolling them. Nice. Nice. I do I do like that. So it's like a D&D thing where like you could turn an exploding from like needing a 10 to needing a 9 instead of that like they do it a 0 to 9 instead of a 1 to 10. So okay. a 0 is always a miss and a 9 is always a successful and if it didn't need a 9 it's a crit. Okay. Which was really weird as a D&D player being used sure. to that D10 is 1 to 10 going sure, sure. my programmer base of 0 to 9. Well, that's how right. I count anyway. That's cool. I, I, I'm really interested in that. That that sounds genuinely fun because I, I yeah, everybody's been talking about playing, you know, uh, War Machine and Hordes, and I'm just like, it seems cool, but I, man, I I would, I can't I can't get behind something that like if the leader dies, like the game is pretty much over. Like that's I have a hard time getting getting behind that, but I'm sure that it's a good game too, and I I haven't seen that yet, so I I can't just write it off, of course. But it's all about having fun. If it's what sure. you have fun with, it's what you should play. Yeah, I agree. I don't have fun with War Machine, but that's just me. Sure, fair enough. Uh, I've been sure. doing um I've been doing some Dead Zone, which is from Mantic as oh, well as nice. Kings of War. Um, and Dead Zone, if you don't know, um, is is by Mantic, who used to be a lot of the guys that uh, worked at Games Workshop, um, and it's basically the same guys that made Necromunda back in the day have gone a step further and taken it to the next level. So if you played Necromunda and you like it, or you play Mordime and you like it, this is better and the models are really good. Everybody says that Mantic models are not good. I would totally challenge you to go check out their Kickstarter that they just finished for Dead Zone and look at the Veermin model, which are basically Skaven, like futuristic Skaven 40k-esque. So this game plays like there's multiple different factions and races and stuff, and you're it's it's kind of interesting because it doesn't have a measurement system. It has a square-based system, so there's actual squares marked out on the field, which I have figured out a really cool way to to make work with the game mats that we already have. Um, we bought a bunch of uh, Frontline Gaming's uh, fat mats uh, this year for all of our tournaments for the South. We got a hookup through them, and we really appreciate it. Uh, the what what you can do for this game is you could just draw out these two by two squares on a piece of plexiglass, lay it over just a thin piece and you've got it all lined out for the future but you don't have to actually measure for this game you just take your dude that's in a square and you can move him a certain amount of distance and he just has to end his move anywhere in that square so you can move from the back left of a square to the front right of a square two squares away if you wanted to and then you place him anywhere behind a piece of terrain and terrain is Basically, they just assume that you're always in cover unless you can see every single bit of the model. So there's no questions on this game. There's not a lot of ambiguity. It's, it's can you see the entire model? The entire model. Yes? Okay, then no, then you get this bonus. Otherwise, it's just this normal stat right here, right? So 
And this game isn't all about just killing the other the other person's models. What's really cool about it is is it's mission based. So you'll have a mission card that'll be at the beginning and it'll be um you know, you're trying to go pick up point A, B, and C or these things on the board that are gonna be these tactical points and you could go get them and get them off the board and that's how you win the game. So you could literally lose half of your squad, which you know, a full squad may be six to ten guys. And a bigger game may be like twenty guys or something like that. You could lose half of the squad, but achieve your mission goal and still win the game. So it's not all about maybe, you know, doing the damage. It's it's about tactics and, and achieving the goal. I like um, having to think about games that way sometimes. Just where yeah. I'm not push it forward and kill things in the face, but misdirecting yeah. and You you could have a little peon dude right that's just really fast and what he does is he goes and grabs stuff right that's his that's his whole thing is he's he ain't too good in combat he's not too good at shooting but what he is good at is getting out there getting stuff and overwhelming people they have pile on capabilities so if you have a if you have multiple guys in the same square fighting another guy in the in the middle you might want to have just two little chumpy dudes in that square just to be there and then bring in big bad mamma jamma uh, for your third guy and he now gets two more dice to throw to hit and wound you type of a thing just because it's supposed to be representing like they're holding the guy down and this big boy's coming to punch him in the face you know so oh nice and it's and it's um it is an exploding d8 game no d6 oh, nice exploding d8 so you roll an eight for something, you pick up another dice, you roll it again. If it's an eight, you pick up another dice and roll again. And I've already done a demo game where, you know, um, one of my buddies, Jody, he um, he ended up putting through just ridiculous amounts of hits on me with this sh- with the shooting attack. And uh, I there was just no way I should have survived it. You know, he, he put down enough to kill me, and I rolled an eight for defense followed by an eight followed by another eight and i and i just shrugged off all the damage and just came back and beat him up it was it was nice just one of those crazy cinematic like enraging moments right so really fun game um other than that uh me and mark have started doing kings of war and i'll let mark take over for the kings of war portion of it which is also run by mantic yeah uh we we got our first little foray in the kings of war the other day um the game just picks up as a tournament ready game um just reading through the rules looking at some of the things and how the game functions it's got a real classic sixth edition fantasy feel to it um you know charge distances aren't variable they're they're consistent so it's it's all about how you move and set up counter charges um there's not a luck value value or factor in there as much for the charging uh Everything is one way. There, there's always rolling against your opponent or for your opponent, but your opponent never rolls during your turn. Um, it speeds things up a lot quicker. Uh, e- even though we were looking up stuff, uh, technically the, the point value we were playing at, if we were in a tournament game, we would have been playing at about six minutes a turn. And even with Jeff and I looking up rules and stats and stuff, uh, we were still hitting at about six minutes a turn. Um, until that one phase where I got 90 attacks in a <laughs> round, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. pretty sweet too. Uh, you know, flanks and rears are super vital in this game, and that's you know that's something I like as a, a fantasy player. I like to have movement and have the flanks and rank count for stuff. And in this game, your your flanks count for double your attacks, and your 
rears count for tripled. So when I had a unit with 30 attacks slamming into the rear or something, I got 90 attacks off with them. Mm. Uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Just to have to pick up 90 dice, that, that was a pain. But um, It was crazy. It was it was crazy, and I, I think I ended out doing like 37 wounds from that one round. Um, so pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun As a game, guy man. that does a lot of sort of diorama units that don't rank up very well, what I like almost the best about Kings of War is that I don't have to pull casualties. Oh, yeah, you just totally. mark the damage on the unit, and there's no casualty pulling, and it speeds up gameplay, and it speeds mm-hmm. up resetting for the next game really well. Well, and the... being a Skaven player, I love that too. Because yeah, I don't like totally. having to pick up 43 of my 45 slave models on Jeez. my unit. You know, just let me put a counter down, which is what I used to do um, in mm-hmm. competitive play. But even then, like, sometimes you have to be able to move the models in that space that was created by the dead models with your unit never physically shrinking and your unit always being a static size, the movement isn't needed. So you don't feel the need, the compulsion to pull models off like we used to in fantasy. So it's spectacular. It really is. Yeah. And I actually like, um, the movement phase is, is nice. Um, it's, it's not ambiguous at all. You can move through your own units. You can't charge through your own units, but you can actually move through your own units, which is, which is definitely different. Yes. Adds adds a little bit of a tactical gameplay to it. You could be on one side of the unit, move across the other side, and now you've just completely set something up completely different than it would have been. Um, you know, most most units can only move forward and then pivot. You can't march forward and pivot unless you have a special rule that allows you to do it. Um, it's not character like Hero Hammer or anything like that. Like the characters are important, but they're not like they don't. They aren't the well, game. Like they're and, not going to completely. And a completely... lot of that is because there's not the heavy customization. You can't right. buy somebody a hundred points worth of like four different items and just totally trick them out. You right. You can buy each unit one magic item. And right. That one magic item is once per the entire army, so you, you can't go stacking a whole bunch of good stuff. You know, a yeah. bunch of fifty point magic item. You know, the same one over and over and over. It's you, yeah. you get one yeah. shot at it. So another thing I like about, about choices. another ahead. thing that's neat about that too is uh, their magic items do not seem overpowering. Right, small small bonuses here and yeah. there, yeah, some good boost. things. Yeah, you can yeah. No, one it's, miss. It's real can... cool. um, I I really like the magic items because not only can you buy them for the characters, you can buy magic items for your units and improve oh, yeah. your units' abilities too. Which you could kind of do that with banners, but it was always mm, sort I, of. I didn't get the same feel for banners as I do for these magic items in this game. Oh yeah, totally. There were such small differences with banners and not every unit could take banners and there's a lot of stuff to it. I think that there's a lot of balancing that goes on in the Kings of War stuff that it just doesn't seem like like I know there's a lot of people that are doing like spam combos right now where they're doing like, you know, four units of angels or something like that, but even then, like, there's no real just powerhouse list because if you take a balanced list, you're always going to be able to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's kind of a game of sacrifice. So, like, if you you have to kind of be like, oh, well, here, you can charge this unit because when you do, it's going to set me up to totally countercharge you with this other unit and totally exactly. take you off. So, um it's it's very player oriented, I think, and it's going to take a while, I think, to 
kind of master what's you know the best way to go with it and i don't really think there's any clean cut and dry to just play a list you kind of have to show up and play to who you're playing against rather than show up with an idea on how your army's going to work every every single time and i think that's a huge difference so where do you guys think we're headed as sort of a, a hobby gaming community now that uh the game we all started off with is gone well, uh, that's that's kind of a good question. There's a lot of discussion going on right now with the uh, South Masters Committee chairs and the advisors. Um, everybody's kind of talking to their different player pools and trying to figure everything out. Um, I, I can tell you from the people I've talked to and the different regions I've talked to, there's a small contingent of people that somehow want to try and keep playing 8th edition, but with GW pulling all of the books back and basically saying that they're going to stop supporting some of the armies that are out there right now by removing them from the game like they're doing with Slanish, I, I don't see how you could create a stable environment, one that could welcome new players, because as much as we like to stick around as a community, um, we still need that new player pool every year to keep our numbers up because the same 80 guys that were at Lone Wolf this year were not the same 80 or 90 guys that were at Lone Wolf last year. Probably like 60% were the same, but that extra you know, 40 to 30% of guys that were new to Lone Wolf this past year, if, if I don't have that at an event, my event can't survive. And if the, if the events don't survive, then the community crumbles. So I think, you know, Ryan, you're going to see this problem. Not this year, but next year. Um, and then Jeff, you, you too with Moonshine. I, I think this is something that a lot of the TOs are having to take account for. So, I've already I, had a couple oh, of guys drop because Age of Sigmar has killed it. They don't even want to play Warhammer anymore. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing. I've heard people say, I, I'm just totally 100% done with GW. I don't want to play this game anymore. I don't want to support their model lines. I, I want to find something else. I'm one of those. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to out you, but if yeah, you it's all yourself, good. Go no, I'm I'm just done with them. Uh, I just I've I've been this is ha this isn't the first time GW's done it. And I'm just like you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know. So it, it's I think we're getting a lot of legs with um, the KOW stuff right now. Um, I know the Austin guys really been pimping it out big down there houston as well um it's you know, been happening up here in dallas it's too. been happening up here too aaron chapman is all over the train for getting some people on it up here and playing demo games almost every weekend i see him posting and i think that's great you know i think as long as the community kind of picks you know what game system we're going to go to and that everybody's having a good time playing it even if we had a, a fallout of a third or a half of those people, there's already existing Kings of War players that just really don't go to tournaments um, because there's just not a tournament atmosphere for it currently. And I think we could totally bring it to the table with picking up, you know, picking up almost what we're going to lose uh, in players. You know, who knows, maybe even some really cool people. Um, and as long as the community is all you know, going to transfer over. I don't think it's an issue. I, I even heard a lot of um, a lot of chat from West Coast guys that you know, uh, Fred Whitney and Bill were talking about it on West Coast Hammer Time. That you know, they're they're all over doing the the Kings of War 
you know, stuff right now. And I think that's great. As long as, you know, I have a tournament that I want to travel for. And Kings of War is a game that was designed as a tournament game from the get-go. So I kind of like that, you know, Kings of War, uh, or Kings of War is a, is a tournament game, and every time that GW got a chance, they've been saying, oh, we don't, we don't like these tournament players, you know, they're such a small portion of our income, then what, why would we cater to them type of atmosphere or attitude? And I think it would be kind of funny for, you know, for them to, to lose their tournament crowd and then see what happens when they all go to Mantic and Mantic sales numbers just go through the roof and then say, you know, such a small portion, quote unquote, right? I mean, I don't think they're giving us that. I know how much money I have in, in models. I know how much money Brian has in models. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, $10,000 worth of minis would be an understatement for how many I have. So, I mean, saying that that's a small market share is pretty sad, especially when you see beautiful models like Ryan has where he inspires people just by looking at his models like oh my gosh i want to paint up one of those armies as good as this guy did and you know they get inspired to buy stuff that you know they wouldn't have bought you know without going to a tournament and seeing like one of these crazy cool armies you know i always used to boast a well-painted army is going to bring in more players than whoever wins a tournament will but oh, props to down. mantic too for really realizing that void was emerging and jumping into it um, everywhere I've seen, Mantic has been very good outreaching towards the now alienated community and getting their name in the discussion really fast. I've been playing Kings of War a little bit since first edition, but off and on, there there wasn't really a huge scene for it down here in San Antonio. But I will tell you what, we have some of the bigger names from sixth edition in San Antonio that are getting very into this game. It's bringing back people that were done after eighth edition that wanted that back and because they've got a lot of the creative staff that did fifth and sixth edition they're attracting that old group of gamers that had quit back as well yep and uh it's it's a good point that you brought up on the outreach from mantic because we've i mean you know we've had a couple of conversations with the the leadership in the u.s with mantic and that's going to continue especially as as more and more people start to give us feedback that that's the direction they want to go with this tournament scene with the masters and then, you know, with the South TOs, um, as we hear that more, those dialogues are going to increase and there's going to be more outreach. And eventually, you know, when we were talking to them, you know, they, they basically asked us, what do you want? And, you know, they were like, well, we can, you know, we can send you boxes and stuff. And I said, that's, that's great. You know, everybody likes prize support. You know, I, I do. I love prize support. But what I need more than prize support right now is knowing that I have support of the company that I'm going to shift all of my gamers to. Um, and in and, and doing that, you know, whether you're sending out a newsletter or whether you're, whether you're saying this is a, uh, you know, a Mantic-sponsored Mantic tournament, maybe it won't be official-official because we might not do everything exactly the same way. We're still going to try and fit into their mold and, and run a tournament with their game system for them to go back and support us or put links to us on their website or say, Hey, go check out, you know, the U S masters tournament qualifiers. You know, here's all of the tournaments across the nation. I think their existing Kings of war players are going to be stoked at 
the explosion that they're going to see of new events that they can attend. Um, and, and it'll, it'll help us build. And, and I, I, I told them that was more important to me than you sending me some boxes that I can give away. Uh, cause while you, while I like your boxes and I like your models, you know, that's something I'll worry about in a couple of years where we have a standard dedicated player base to where I don't have to worry about, you know, investing four or $5,000 into a tournament and have it flop and then it have, you know, have it come out of my budget basically, uh, and, you know, take food off of my kid's plate or something. But, yeah, just yeah. imagine a games company investing in their players, like that they want to actually get more players into the game system, and they are actually put it on their website and support it, kind of like uh, you know, GW kinda like did GW ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, sixth edition was around, right? Right yeah, before exactly. fantasy numbers started dropping off. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember. I can't see a correlation between Games Workshop <laughs> giving up their tournament scene presence and handing it over to the indies completely and their numbers. That's just, I'm sorry, you're just, you're seeing coincidence there. That's Blowing all there is. minds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if they, if it hadn't been for the NDGT scenes, Oh yeah, US, totally. I really think Warhammer Fantasy US would yeah, have been dead at exist. eight. Yeah, oh yeah, it would have died back before seven, possibly, or in seven. Totally, uh, I agree. So, with with that, I think people get the general idea where we're going with this. We're not going to be talking about just one game system. We're going to be talking about multiple game systems, so you guys can check back with us all the time and. You know, see what we're doing this week or next week and, you know, kind of get some battle reports on what we do and we don't like about the system, kind of some builds we're looking at doing and talking about beer. And um, we'll be having a lot of uh, guest spotlights probably every other episode or so. We'll be grabbing people from other regions, talk about what's going on in their region in the game, where they are, what other games they're playing know why they like that game and why you should check it out and things of that nature so i mean we won't be just talking about one game system for a while here we're, we're kind of going to be hitting multiple platforms and just kind of getting everybody's interest rather than just hitting one niche so with that being said i think we can uh, go ahead and wrap up our first episode uh stay tuned for our next episode within the next uh week or two we'll have a We'll have our first guest on, uh, hopefully, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, don't forget the beer phase. Peace.